It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. study on talk show. Good to see you folks there in the chat room. You you faithful chat room folks, I appreciate you being there very, very much. Uh, you know, the Word of God says, where two or more are gathered together in my name, the Lord said, there will I be in the midst also. Amen, Brother David? Amen. Absolutely, and I appreciate you guys for this fellowship very much. And I pray for y'all all the time. How you doing, Brother Dave? I'm doing good, and I'm really looking forward to the teaching. Amen, brother. Always, always a blessing to open God's word. You know, folks. I, I was thinking. I was thinking earlier this afternoon as I was going through the text, and uh, in chapter twelve of John, that's where we're going to be. So, brother Dave, you can go ahead and turn to to John twelve, and we'll start at the first again, come down through. But anyway, I got down to. Uh, Verse 24 that we may or may not get to tonight where the Lord talks about hating your own self and this, that, and the other. And you, one thing that's never ceased to amaze me, especially in the last 15 years, how anybody could spend time in the Word of God and come away thinking that the Father put them in to the world, born them into this world. What would make anyone think that he put us here for an average of three score and ten to have fun for our pleasure and to do, just wonderfully do good in this world and then die and then do wonderfully in eternity? What would, what, pray tell me, according to the Word of God, I could see where a selfish person could come to that conclusion because they only think about self. But after a a student of the Word of God that claims 
to be a Bible believer, how could you possibly read through the New Testament? As far as that goes from Genesis to Revelation and come away thinking that you were put here to have fun, nothing but pleasure, and then die and go off and be fat, sassy, and happy on the other side. It's not there, folks. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Three of, probably three of the greatest questions that we could possibly ask to ourselves. And I'm sure anybody that's a thinker at all and is not a, um, you know, a water brain has asked themselves those questions. And the Word of God answers all of them. And in the darkness of night, in the silent times, these things run through the unregenerate person's mind. The person that's not familiar has no love for the Father or the Lord Jesus Christ. These things have to bug them. That's why people hold on. That's why the natural man holds on to the natural life. When the, the Word of God says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. See, in the natural, we don't think we don't think like that. You can only think that way. The inward man can only think that way. I mean, it's just throughout the Word of God. But see, people don't like to stop and think about that stuff, even though they'll talk about the Lord Jesus Christ and, oh, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. We'll see how much of a follower of Jesus they are in a little while. But, yes, what in the world? I mean, I, I, I was part, I was, I had fallen prey. The natural man falls prey to this way of thinking, thinking that, oh, yes, I'm supposed to make bukus of money, have a good time, my family's supposed to be wonderful. I'm supposed to be in perfect health, no problems, and then boom, die, and go off and, and be 100% perfect on the other side and go right. That's not what it's about, folks. And it's a delusion, absolutely the reverse of what the Word of God says. And the Scriptures that apply to what I'm talking about are so numerous. There's more scripture to back up what I'm saying than there is to back up any Anglo-Israel truth. It's There's as many scriptures to back up what I'm talking about as there is to back up the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's one of the most forgotten doctrines and Christendom today. It wasn't at one time. That's the reason the Lord is so tough on the last period, the last age of Christianity in type, the Laodicean church. That's the reason he's so tough on them. We were put here for a reason, the Lord is, and it's not to have fun. 
Not if you're serving God. Hey, if this world's all there is, eat, drink, and be merry, as the Apostle Paul said, for the day you die. Just eat, drink, and be merry. Hey, get drunk, stay, as my, my, my Bible teacher taught her. Hey, if that's all there is, just get drunk, stay drunk, have a good time, and don't worry about nothing. Don't worry. You'll get your suffering later. But that is so that is so the antithesis of what this world puts in your mind what this what is taught in all the schools what is even in ninety eight percent of the churches ninety nine ninety nine point nine they never deal with this on this basis Oh, they'll deal with, well, this is what you're supposed to do when things are, are rough. No, it's not that. Sure, that little bitty part's true. If the ones that do deal with it, the majority, see, it's not, it's positive in the long run, but in the natural, it's negative. Negative. We'll kill like sheep all the day long. A sheep for the slaughter. It doesn't say that we grow wool, sell our wool, and make a buku of money and kick back and don't have don't have to go through. Folks, I could just go on and on and on. But anyway, that'll come up if we get to verse twenty four. And I'll just I'll I'll instead of spending an hour and a half on it, I'll just give you the scripture and you can copy them down. Go let the Lord show you. None of the verses that deal with this doctrine are obscure. The context dictates the truth of the matter. And the body of Christ has totally forgotten it. And it's a shame. It's got to end. It's just like we were talking before the program started, you folks that are downloading this program. We were talking about things along this line. And I made the comment the other night about prosperity. It breeds monsters in our people. We have a tendency to go all woo-woo when things are good. That's the hardest time in the world to keep the nose to the grindstone when it comes to our work and our life for the Lord. Not only individually, as a people as well. I mean, just that's, that, that's just scripturally the way it is. And to try to look at the scriptures and say, well, that was just for them. Well, that's the most ludicrous thing that anybody could ever say. Of course, it was just for the people written to at that time. But it's also for us today. That's one of the foundational truths of Bible study is understanding something historically was for the individual or people that was written to at that time, 
and it and it applies to us today just like it applied to them as far as it can in the broad scope of things, according to the Word of God. And we've gotten away. And our, our the early church fathers knew this was not this was nothing strange to the Paulicean, to the Bogomiles, to the Albigensians, to the Cathari, to the early church, to the to to the Anabaptists, to any of the people that did not wind up in the in the big whore in the Catholic Church. See. I'm not talking about the ones that the Protestants that came out. I'm talking about the original Bible-believing Christians right down through church history. They never lost sight of this. They've lost sight of it as a general rule. The majority today, they've lost sight of it. That's something you need to think about. What are you here? Why were you put into this life? What were you put in here to be a politician? Huh? Is that what it is? You put in here just to raise a family, send them to college, get a big income, have insurance policies out the yin yang, do good to your to your, to your family. Is that what it's that's what it's all about? Is that the reason you're breathing air? That's not what the Lord said. Anybody can do that. The heathen do that. Animals take care of their family. We're sons of the living God. We're supposed to go above and beyond. We're supposed to handle everything differently. We're supposed to handle things in our life differently, persecution differently, suffering differently. Separate from the world. Separate from the children of disobedience. And we, we're all guilty of falling in To this way of thinking, folks, it's it it that is that's what. Well, we'll get to it when we get there. Anyway, brother Dave, if you would, brother, uh, open us in a word of prayer and we'll get started. Yeah, um, Chad's here and so is Matthew, but their computers are blocked, so I don't think they can hear. I'm not sure. Uh, also, Kevin has hung up. His computer symbol's still there. So, I wonder what I wonder what's going on. Yeah, something's going on, but we'll just continue. Now wait, wait just a second. Let me um see if I can um. Well, that must have been the reason I got a phone call a while ago and wouldn't uh. I didn't. Did you hear it beeping on my end? Could no, y'all I didn't hear, hear that? that? No. Oh well, that was probably usually Kevin. I do. Kevin was calling me for some reason. I have no idea what he was calling for. I tell you what um. Well, I started. Oh, I'm glad y'all made it, Brother Chad and Brother Matthew. I've been. I was waiting on y'all. I'm glad to see y'all in there. Anyway, excuse me for a second, Brother Dave. I'm no. If I hang up, I won't be able to get back in because Kevin's not there. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. So um, since he's the producer and handles the right. controls, there will be no way I can get back in. 
That's yeah. the reason you guys are blocked is because Kevin's not there in the um, – he's not – undoubtedly he's not on the line. Mm-hmm. But I guess we could – I don't know if we if we go ahead and start, if it'll record or what. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, hmm. oh, he, he's, he has to hit the button for recording. Yes, he does. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. But we already – he already started the recording, brother. Okay. Remember he started it a while ago? Yes, and the music came on. Yep. So I guess we'll go but ahead. But he and, doesn't have to have his phone live for it to continue to operate. Yeah, I guess okay. so. I guess so. Uh, let me see. Let me put you. Let me put you on hold, and you can go ahead and. Um, I tell you what, if you would read uh, the first twenty verses in Ephesians chapter four, okay? While I click okay. over, I'm gonna call him and see what's going on. Okay, I I got. And also, what about Sir Isaac Newton? Oh yes, I, um, brother Dave's gonna read you the quote that Sir Isaac Newton prophesied back in the 1600s. And just listen to what, what Brother Dave's going to read you, because it's profound, because it's it's come to pass dead on the money. Anyway, let me get out of here, and I'm going to call him. I'm going to try to call him, Brother, okay? Okay. 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 And here's, here's a quote by, from Sir Isaac Newton. And Sir Isaac Newton lived from 1642 to 1727. A, teren- a tremendous mind. Here's the quote. About the time of the end, a body of men will be raised up who will turn their attention to the prophecies and insist upon their literal interpretation in the midst of much clamor and opposition. And Sir Isaac Newton was a tremendous scientist and he never lost his Christian belief or love for God and the belief in the scriptures even though some other scientists did. That's right. Amen, brother. I tried, By the way, I tried to call, and uh, it said the line was temporarily disconnected or something. I don't know what's going oh. on. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, we'll continue on, folks. Um, yeah, that quote by Sir Isaac Newton was phenomenal because he lived in the Renaissance period. He lived in the, uh, the so-called age of reasoning when... Things everybody was fat, happy, and sassy like a like we were talking about earlier, and so they went from the literal interpretation of the scripture to the majority went allegorical. Okay, and that's what's plaguing us today. But Sir Isaac Newton had enough sense to realize spiritually that there would be there would be a push toward the truth of literal interpretation. In other words, back to the way our church fathers interpreted scripture. Then the first three centuries of church history, they were all biblical literalists, folks. It, allegorical interpretation did not hit, quote-unquote, mainstream, so to speak, Christianity till right before and right as the Catholic Church was, was growing until around 300 A.D. That's when it got its real kickoff, okay? But anyway, John yeah, chapter the, 12. Go ahead, brother. You got something else to say? Yeah, the way I see that is that in spite of the Laodicean church and all its shortcomings at the end and its faults, there would be a body of believers, probably a remnant, small, the elect group, who will insist upon the literal interpretation of the scriptures, even though the rest of the church world is gone the Laodicean route. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's right, brother. 
There's, it's always going to be a remnant. <laughs> there is always going to be some. And another thing about that that it gets off with me, I can hear some of my brethren out there, they'll scream, I'm a biblical literalist, I'm a biblical literalist. And when it comes to what the, what the Word of God says literally about the earth, they deny it. Doesn't that, doesn't that get off with you, Brother David? <laughs> yes, they do. And they, it seems like people have their pet little projects. Sometimes sure. it's universalism. Sometimes it's flat earth, whatever. They say they agree on the word of God being literal until it touches the little project that they have that the word disagrees with. Yep, amen. Yeah, you take, for instance, Brother Kent Hovine. Is an excellent man. I, I I know him personally, met him personally, and he he, he is a good brother. But and he has been a, a warrior for creationism against evolution for years oh, and yeah. years and years. You know, and then they threw him in jail. But when he was um when he was brought to task about the earth being exactly like it was being exactly like it says in the Word of God, yes, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it, mm. or he hadn't handled it yet. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yes. He hadn't handled it yet. But anyway, let's get started in John chapter 12. Uh, I'll open in prayer first. Yes, sure. Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks for this evening. And Father, we pray that all technical problems could be overcome tonight, if it be your will. And we believe that it would be. But may this evening tonight bring pleasure to you and not necessarily to us. But, Father, we ask that your Spirit teach us by the Scriptures tonight and that it is a, a heart-warming, a heart-rendering experience, not just something that amuses us or we find pleasant pastime. But, Lord, we pray that you work in us to your pleasure and for your purposes and for the reasons that you have us here in the earth, in this world today, and not because of what we want to do, but because of what you want us to do for you. And you're worthy of all service. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those who have needs tonight, that you would meet their needs, that you would meet needs for comfort, for a a relief from pain, for healing, for solace of the mind, solace of, of torment and troubles that they're going through because of family matters or because of health problems or because of um, being persecuted for their faith or because of torment at a job because of their stance on the Word of God and people mocking them. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you meet the needs of people and I pray that you raise up more people that are willing to uh, take a stand on your Word even though it will cost them a big price. And Father, in Jesus' name, I give thanks for the answer to these prayers. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, folks, we're in John chapter 12, and we started it uh, last night, but I said I got Brother Dave to stop. So we're going to go ahead and start in verse 1 again and come down through here. I made the comment about verse 1 about Lazarus sitting at the table with the Lord and and how the people that were raised, it's uh, kind of funny that Jairus' daughter and the widow of Nain's son, the first thing that they did was eat. And it seems, it's funny, but it seems like everybody in a resurrected body is hungry. 
for some reason. You know, the Lord in his resurrection body, he said, uh, you know, give me some fish, you know. Give me some honeycomb. Remember that, Dave? Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, he, he goes to eating too, but his was for a different reason. He was showing that you can eat and you can drink mm-hmm. in the glorified body. Yes. That's what he was showing. I've went through that before, and when we get to it later on, in John, I'll go through it again. But anyway. In and also, he said that he wouldn't eat or drink again until he entered into his kingdom. Mm-hmm. So he was eating and drinking because he entered in. That's right. He entered in a flesh. He got a, a the the supernatural body is flesh and bone, but not blood. It's not flesh and blood. Paul says flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God, but flesh and bone can. And you know that because those words came out of the Lord's mouth later on here in the book of John. He said, mm-hmm. "You see, not a spirit hath flesh and bone as you see me have. See, no blood." So we know by inference that something will be running through our blood veins, probably spirit, probably the Holy Spirit in some shape, fashion, or form or something going through our what used to be bloodstream. Something else will be running through it. It won't be blood. Hallelujah. It won't be blood. The life of the flesh see, is in the blood, so there will have to be a transference of some kind, and that takes place. In the DNA rewrite of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last six or seven verses, for corru- this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And right before Paul starts that discourse, he says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Anyway, here Lazarus says in verse 1, he shows up, and he's going to start talking about Mary and Martha again. So, Brother Dave, start in verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Amen. Okay, here in verse 3, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 14, brother. Okay. Mark chapter 14, and we'll start reading at verse 3. You can go ahead and be turning there. Okay. Here it talk. it says, Mary took a pound of ointment. We're going to find a spikenard. We're going to find out a little bit more about that back in Mark's account of this and there's a there's a reason we're going back to mark because the lord makes a phenomenal statement in the book of mark about mary and we're going to read and see what he said but let me just tell you about this spikenard here this was a years at the time period this was a year's wages It says very costly here. It's going to give us a little more detail in Mark chapter 14. This was a year's wages (laughs) for that period of time. Isn't that something? Yes, it sure is. You're talking about lessons to be learned. Let's go to Mark chapter 14 now. Brother, start reading verse 3. 
And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she brake the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence. See, now here you find out 300 pence, and if you find out, you go and find out about the pence business, you find out for that period of time that was a year's wages she's doing, okay? And it says here about putting the ointment on his head, and the other place it says on his feet was his whole body is what Mary was doing, okay? Not just, it, it, it's just different accounts of the same incident that happened, and we're getting different details here and Mark, go ahead, brother. Yeah, that was common when they anointed. They poured the oil on the head, and it just dripped down over the whole body. That's correct. Go ahead. Okay. For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. Yeah, it shows where their heart's at. Now, of course, they didn't know. I mean, a little excuse for them. They still didn't realize who this was specifically. They didn't understand what she was doing. She knew what she was doing, like I've told you in previous programs. She was the only one that got it. She understood what she was doing. And then the Lord says the next thing, which is awesome. Go ahead, brother. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. See there? She knew what she was doing. Now later on, the other apostles, there is no indication anywhere in the Gospels that anybody, any of the other apostles, knew what was coming down, but they remembered later on, after the resurrection, in hindsight, they remembered the Lord had said so-and-so. The Lord had said so-and-so. Mary knew, right? She got it. That's the reason she was at the tomb when the Lord arose. She was the first one there. She got to carry back the good news of the resurrection. She has a special place. Because of this special place, you have a bunch of reprobates out there in the world that's come up with, oh, Mary Magdalene and Jesus was married. All this junk. Anything. Anything but the truth. Okay? But watch what the Lord says here. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, and just a, a fine point there because of the quotations of the anointing on the feet and then the head, Jesus makes it clear here that it's his body. That was anointed, not just his feet or something. (laughs) That's right, brother. Amen. Okay, verse 9. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. 
Okay, brother, hold it right there. I need to click over on it. You can go ahead and teach a little bit. I got to catch this phone call. It's probably catching. Okay. So there we see that whenever the gospel of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ is preached, this should always be reminded to the people that hear the gospel of what Mary did, that Mary gave a, a year's wages worth of costly oil. This costly oil had herbs in it, spikenard, very fragrant, and it was supposed to be a, a relaxing oil as well and she poured it over his whole body and she rubbed her hair on his feet and personally i believe that her using her hair to rub jesus's feet was a sign of her submission to the lord jesus christ and that she was sitting at the feet of the christ the anointed the messiah and she knew he was the anointed and she was uh, pouring oil over his head as a sign of her faith, of her belief that Jesus Christ was the anointed Messiah, the Christ of Israel. Mark 14, verse 10. And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priests to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. It's funny how Judas there, after uh, the um, act that Mary did of her being faithful to the Lord and her act of faith of, of recognizing Jesus Christ as the Messiah of Israel, that right away Judas went out to the Pharisees to try and gain some reward, some money to gain back what he wouldn't have got. <clears throat> from the sale of the spike nerd. Okay, brother, I'm back. Uh, yes, I'll re- go back to John 12 now. Uh, yeah, John 12, and uh, reread verse 9, okay? Okay. Much people of the Jews, therefore, No, no, knew. no, 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 excuse me, I apologize. Verse 9 in Matthew, in Mark, four, in, uh, Mark 14, I apologize. Oh, okay, yes. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of yeah, her. Absolutely. And there is a few out there that will that do obey what the Lord's saying right here. Okay? There's a few out there that do. I've heard, I've heard them, but very few that will make a big deal out of what's going down here. This word memorial here, this first mention in this specific case right here, it's there for reason. So what can we learn out of this? You know, I've mentioned to you earlier, a couple of programs ago and also last night, how Mary and Martha were a type of those ten virgins that we went and read about last night in Matthew chapter 25. I didn't make any comment last night much about it because I've talked about it so much in the past. All right? Those, the ten virgins that got left out, they didn't, there wasn't no, go, you know, depart from me, ye accursed into everlasting fire. No, no, no. There wasn't no throwing into hell. Nope, nope, nope. There was, and the rest of the chapter 
Everybody gets punished. Everybody, there's a, there's is a bad thing happens to the rest in the rest of the chapter to the ones that don't come in on top. All right. But Martha never gets any adulation from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's always Mary. And Mary, every time you see her, she gets around the Lord. She is spending personal time with him. Okay? She's a type of the elect. She's a type of the bride of Christ. I think I searched through about uh, 15 different teachings on this chapter and this particular incident. And only one, only one teacher brought the point up that she was a type of the bride. Of course, they had it all messed up. And he didn't enter the elect in with it. All right? But he did mention being a kind of a type of the bride. But he didn't mention what Mary was a type of. I'm telling you that Mary, that Martha is a type of natural Israel in the during the millennium and on out into eternity in Ezekiel forty three forty eight, and Mary is a type of the bride. She's a type of the remnant according to the election of grace in Romans chapter eleven. She's a type of the Israelites that are saved during this period of time that are the elect. That's what they're a type of. Back to John 12, brother. Certainly. Now, what does it, since she be, she is a type, or she is always at the feet of Jesus with, on, in a personal relationship in her worship of him. See, this is adoration she's given unto him. Okay? Now, she is... After she get, puts the spikenard upon his body and she's sitting at Jesus' feet, she wipes his feet with what, Brother David? Her hair. Her hair. Turn to 1 Corinthians, brother. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's see what this is. Let me show you more of the typology here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, start reading at verse 2 and read down to verse 15, brother. Now, okay. I want you to pay close attention, folks. You remember in the book of Revelation, those of you that's read it, <clears throat> how some people take off their crowns and throw them on the glassy sea? Remember that? That's before... The second, that's before the Lord comes back in, his, in the wrath and wipes out everybody. Think about that. Start reading, brother. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2. Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that... The head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. 
for that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Now, I could stop right there and spend two hours, folks, but we're not. We'll we'll deal with that subject later on with the divine counsel. Go ahead, brother. Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman. But all things of God judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Now watch it. Watch what's coming up now, folks. Go ahead. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her okay. for her hair. Stop right here. Go Well, finish on out there. Okay. For her hair is given her for a covering. Okay. It's her glory, the hair. And, and back in John, she uses her hair. That's her glory. She's given it to Jesus Christ. That's the typology you get here. And it follows through all the way into the book of Revelation. She's given her hair, the bride, is giving her glory to the husband. That's what the typology is back in John. And that's one reason the Lord said is a memorial, a unique phrase that's nowhere else in the Scripture. And that's one of the reasons he said what he said when he said, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, this is supposed to be mentioned, what she had done. We're trying, Lord. We're trying. But she's giving her glory, just like we're supposed to sell out and give our glory, our best, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our best, not half best, not ten minutes out of a week. Folks, we're as as a unit, as a as a as a um, as the body of Christ. We are so far away from our uh, from our original state. We have fallen so far away from our original purpose as the body and bride of Christ that, according to the Word of God. That we ought to, we ought to just it. It should humble us to the umpteenth degree, and thank the Lord Jesus Christ for grace and mercy. Paul was even worried about it 
in the Corinthian church when he talked about, I've espoused you a chaste virgin unto Christ. But I'm in doubt of you. He was afraid that, 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 uh, that the church would be beguiled just like Eve in the Garden of Eden. And I've mentioned before how that word beguiled is, has sexual connotations. But this this stuff, this stuff will preach. This stuff is the way. This is what we're supposed to do. That Jesus Christ has the pre, is supposed to have the preeminent place in our life. Not th- not like some dog that every now and then you throw a bone to. How would you treat? Your wife, if every now and then she spent two or three minutes with you, how would you, how would, what would you think about her if she only talked to you ten or fifteen minutes in about three weeks? See what I mean? See, this is a great mystery. Paul says he goes through the whole chapter in Ephesians. And he said, he goes through talking about the husband, you know, is supposed to submit to the Lord and the wife's supposed to submit to the husband as unto the Lord. And he goes through all this stuff you think he's given the, the way the husband-wife relationship is supposed to be. And right there at the end, what does he say? But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Go over there, Brother Dave. Let's read it. Let me, let me show them. There's new folks in here, and there'll be some new downloaders. There always are that hadn't seen this before and hadn't been taught this before. Ephesians chapter 4, brother. Yeah. Ephesians 5, I think it's 4. It starts where it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the way it starts out, I think. By memory, I hadn't got over there yet. Uh, let me find it here. It'll be chapter 5, brother. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5. Bank. Oh, here we are. Starting verse 20, brother. Okay. Verse 20, Ephesians chapter 5. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Yes, there's that verse I was telling you guys about the other night. He's going to mention it in John about being washed by the words he's spoken. Here it is again in the book of Ephesians. Go ahead, brother, verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought 
men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you try to figure that out, okay? <laughs> that people will read over that and try to, um, try to say, oh, that he's just talking about this or he's just talking about that. No, this is a big deal. This is one of the seven mysteries that were given to Paul. And this is one of two great mysteries, like he's fixing to tell you. There's two great mysteries, folks. One is the mystery of godliness. God manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. And the other one is what he's fixing to tell you. Go ahead, brother. Verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they... Two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Like I said, this is the. There's two great mysteries, and this is one of them, and it truly is. And it's all through the scripture, all through. It's in the Old Testament. It's 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 with Rachel, Sarah. There are all types of this. Okay, Isaac, a type of Christ. Joseph, a type of Christ. It's all through. It's all through the Word of God. It's part of this great mystery, this culmination of the bride of Christ. Song of Solomon. We've dealt with it before. We've got a whole program on it. And just in a minute way, it's not exhaustive, but it's there. Worth your study. Anything that draws you closer. Anything that draws you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ is worth your time and study. Think about that, what I'm saying. If he says that all this stuff up here, that the earthly husband and wife relationship, look at what's going on today, the blasphemy. That's out, well, you shouldn't expect no different out of the world. They're, they're always going to be evil. But even in the quote-unquote so-called church. The blasphemous stuff going on, making a mockery of this mystery. There's going to be hell to pay, folks, one day. There's going to be hell to pay. These are not just cute little idioms that's thrown in here to talk about for a few minutes. These are subjects that are so important you ought to spend time asking the Lord about them. Lord, increase my love. Help me, Father. Help me to understand. Well, how are you going to understand? By applying it in real life. You can turn around and use the real-life situation to apply it in your spiritual life. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I, if I was speaking somewhere in a, in a, uh, 
in a in a church somewhere or another program, I would bring something up that I know about some that it um, it, it would be a good example of, of of this relationship and how wonderful it is. An example for a lot of people to go down and do likewise. I made it back. Oh, praise God, Dang. brother. Praise, praise God. But that the, the the importance of this cannot go unmentioned. That's the reason why the Lord said what he said. That's why he made an example out of Mary made the comment about the memorial. It only occurs one time in the Word of God and says anywhere salvation, the gospel is preached, you're supposed to mention this. Why, Lord? The great mystery. There's, there's something here, see? There's, there's things to be pulled out, to exegetically pull out of this, this, this context of what Paul's talking about and what the Lord was talking about. We're going to see shortly, when we if we get there, later on in the chapter, how the Lord will make, makes this statement and see how he, re, the, how he revealed it to the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul is going to take it and go off on it and teach it doctrinally in the church. And the Lord just mentions it haphazard. I, I, don't, I say that reverently, haphazardly in the context of the chapter we're in in John. If we get there, we're going to. I'm going to take and show you where the Apostle Paul, through revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ, has pulled it down into doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Number one, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. But doctrine is the first one, the first thing in the list. But he, he applies, takes Jesus' words, takes the revelation he got from the Lord, and applies it to the church, and he it, it, it starts talking about it in the book of Romans. I'll show you when we get to it. Let's go back to John, brother, before I get off on it right now. Certainly. Verse 4, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. <clears throat> Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and <laughs> bear what was put therein. Now you learn where the slang saying comes from. He got caught holding the bag. You ever heard that before, Brother David? Yes, sir. Oh, many times. <laughs> right out of the word of God. Yes, indeed. Wow. <laughs> in programs gone by, I've I've brought up some of these things that, but see, our people used to be Bible readers. They used to, they used to instead of turn on Fox News, they read the Word of God, and they learned the Word of God, and it stuck in their hearts. And they used biblical idioms for everyday life. I heard it all being raised in the Bible Belt, and like I said before the program started, I by no stretch of the imagination came up in a Christian home. 
But the Bible was so prevalent that the, the, the verses and things out of the Word of God were used just in common saying by my grandparents and said they because they spent time in the book. And they didn't even meet but in the the specific church in the area where I was brought up, a primitive Baptist church, they only met once a month. We never went. But that my granddad's the one that gave the land for the for the church in the graveyard. Still there today. All my folks are buried there. And they still just meet one time a month. You say, well, the world's just so this. you got to do this and you got to do that to get along in the world. No, you don't. We've got people right now listening to the sound of my voice right now that has said bye-bye to the world, bye-bye to the things that have caused trouble, that causes trouble to our people right now. They've said bye-bye to it. I don't want to embarrass them. If they can give you a testimony that what I tell you about this stuff is true because it's been true in their life. They've realized it. By just a few things, saying canon it, canon it, and putting the Lord in the preeminent position, it's made a marked change in their life. And I praise God for it. But Judas, just like a Jew, got the money bags, <laughs> just like an old Jew. Coming up with an excuse, he was a thief. And the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's a thief. We did a program and we dealt with Judas. And Judas didn't go to where that rich man went in Luke 16. He went to his own place. Did you know that it was a special place for Judas? That's what you find out in Acts chapter 1. He went to his own place. Hmm, it's weird, isn't it? But we got a program about it where we run the references back in the Old Testament. I forget, it's way back there. I forget where it's at. Anyway, Brother David, continue on. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. There it is. There's, an, there's another place, a separation. There's a split. There's that duality. There's that duality taking place. That's what the book says. Some of them did. Go ahead, brother. Verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast... When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, 
Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Okay. This place that we're reading, we're reading in this right here, it's mentioned in the book of Luke in more detail. Just go ahead and read through verse 15, brother, and then I'll make comment on it, okay? Okay. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. Okay. This is the only time that's recorded anywhere in the New Testament that the Lord allowed himself to be worshipped as king. Turn to Zechariah 9.9, brother. Chapter 9, verse 9. And we'll see where the, um, this, as it is written, comes from, okay? Okay. This this word Zion here, and this reference here, it, it, ought, to make, it ought to tweak your mind, your spiritual mind, because not only is this a fulfillment, this is one of the greatest fulfillments in the New Testament that proves conclusively that Jesus Christ is who he claimed to be. Okay? This fulfillment that was prophesied in Daniel 9 and Zechariah 9, 9 and other places in the Psalms, this is one of the most important events that, that took place in the New Testament right here. Coming from Zion, you children of Zion. That, that word Zion, you remember it's in Romans 11. See, that's what I was hoping that would tweak. Hey, I've seen that before. That's also, Paul uses that. He quotes the same verse, practically, in Romans chapter 11, but in a totally different time. It, it's quoted for a totally different time period. But I want you to read Zechariah 9, 9, brother, for him right now. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Yeah, absolutely. In Luke, he tells about how he sent his disciples ahead and they told him, says, if any man asks you why you need this colt, tell him that the master has need of him. You know, there's something going on. Wow. He stopped and analyzed that and think about it. What's supernatural going on there? I mean, you just imagine yourself walking up somebody. They don't know you from Adam. I need your, I need your donkey. Get your get your dirty hands off my off my horse, okay? No. The Lord done got it pre planned. He knows what's gonna happen. He just says, just tell him the master hath need of him. We don't know what took place there. It's a big deal. This is a big deal. Because he comes in lowly, riding on a ass, the colt, the foal of an ass, okay? The first time, he comes back. The second time, when the when Paul quotes it in Romans chapter eleven, 
he comes back on a white horse. And he ain't coming lowly at all. He's coming to kick butt and take names in a big way. And we're coming back with him. And we're coming back with him. Back to John, brother. Yes. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave, and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how he prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. And it did. After the resurrection, it did. I mentioned it the other night, two or three times, about that paradigm shift that's coming. The resurrection was a paradigm shift for our people. There'll be another for the good, and there will be a paradigm shift at the end for the worst. Things never get better, folks. They only get worse. That don't people don't like to hear that, okay? See, but you got to understand that in the very end it's wonderful forever for us. That's the reason I talked about what I talked about at the first of the program. Because if your life, if you try to arrange your your steps and think about the way the Word of God presents life in general, history in general, if you if you if you think about that and it, and put and put this book into your life into your mind into your soul and believe it it will you'll start understanding more and more and more of why things are the way they are even outside extra canonically you'll understand it more and more realizing that everything about what's going on is prophesied in the Word of God. And if the spiritual man bears rule over the fleshy man, if the inner man bears rule over the outward man, then it won't be as hard to deal with. But if everything's about the now and now, and everything's about what's going on around, remember what we read last night about them that mind earthly things? See, the whole scriptures, like I've said before, you're sick of hearing it. This whole, I, the way I teach, and ain't got nothing to do with me being anything. It's just my method. It's unorthodox, okay? 
the way that we go through the scriptures, and I go keep going back to certain points, certain doctrines, and it all point it all paints a picture that you should be able it should be becoming those of you that's been here a long time that picture ought to be becoming brighter and brighter and brighter all the colors in the little bitty spaces are being filled in and the picture ought to be brighter than it's ever been to date because the reinforcement keeps coming and coming and coming we keep going back, pulling a precept out here, a precept out there, line upon line, line upon line, to give you the full spectrum of what the book's about. And once you get that full perspective and that neon sign goes off, then anything that pops up that don't go inside that sign immediately, bingo, you know something's wrong. You know, you you immediately, instinctively, spiritually, no, that don't make that doesn't fit the pattern. That's the Gestalt way. That paradigm shifted to everything from the very first prophecy in Genesis 3.15. You've had a dual thing going, okay? From the very get-go, even from the very first sins, the very first lies that were told. The first one was doubting the Word of God. The second one was a lie out of Satan's mouth. You'll become his gods, knowing good and evil. Then the two seed lines started. One evil, one good. And you can take that and it comes all the way down through the Scriptures. All the way through. This duality that goes on. I'm not talking about dualism. I'm talking about the duality of this picture, the way it comes down through history. If you if you think linear, I've mentioned this and I'm mentioning it again now because it's so important. If you think linear, you'll never get it. You have to think reciprocal. You have to think over. Let me give you an example of what of what I'm bloviating about right now. Turn to Second Timothy, brother, chapter three. Okay. Now, when Paul wrote this, folks, listen. At the turn of the millennia, after Paul wrote this. These things, these things happen at the end of every culture, okay? That's what I mean by reciprocal. That's the reason Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Civilizations and cultures have one pattern. They go up and they come down, okay? Now, what Brother David's fiction to read is like opening the newspaper. It's like... You that watch TV, it's like turning on Fox News and listening to the, this is a Fox News alert. I guess they still do that. Just listen to what he's, and this, this not only is happening now, it's happened before. It happens in culture. That's the reciprocal, that's the repeat, the repeat, the repeat. There's nothing new under the sun, and God requires that which is past. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and chapter 3, verse 15. Okay? That's the way prophecies go. That's the reason there's more, and a lot of the Word of God, there's more than one fulfillment of prophecy. Some people still ain't got it. This very prophecy that we're talking about right here, part of it was fulfilled at one period of time. The second part is going to be fulfilled in the future. That's the reason the Lord, when he got up and read that, read that thing out of Isaiah, he read to a certain comma and he closed the book. Because the other part from the comma onward was not going to be fulfilled at the first coming. It's going to be later. But the same verse applies to both. Start reading in Timothy, brother. Okay. Second Timothy verse uh chapter three, verse one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Sound familiar? Does it sound familiar, folks? <laughs> Do you realize that Martin Luther, in his time, thought that that was, that was relevant and that everything was snowballing and during his time? Did you know that? See, if you knew church history, you would know that. At the turn of the millennium, they thought the same thing. Why? What was the, what the Spirit of God was showing them these things? The end didn't happen. See what I'm saying? This book is living, folks. It's applicable in every age. It never gets old. Reciprocal. Up and down, up and down, round and round, round and round. The big the big picture is da one, two, three, four, five, six, and then seven. That's the big picture. In between the big picture you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, not seven, excuse me, leave it at seven now. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. All the way through this linear, looking at it linear, in that linear, there's little loops. I wish I standing up before you where I could draw it on a board and make it would be more easy to get because I'm not able to articulate it like I should. And at the end of that long line, there's a big picture. And, and this book from Genesis 1 to Revelation 2 paints that big picture of the end. Exact, knowing the end from the beginning, the scriptures say. That's the reason Christ could be crucified from the foundation of the world. And he knows where he's going right now. <coughs> Excuse me. 
That's the reason he could choose us before the foundation. It's all in the past, and it's going to be in the future. That's the reason he could say with certainty, the elect will not be deceived, because they were chosen from the foundation of the world. And these, these bless their heart, biblical illiterates that can't get that, well, you need to pray for them. You got to keep your eye on the prize. Ain't that that's the worldly term? Keep your eye on the prize, folks. Everything we go through, everything we're appointed to, and we're appointed to it. Everything, keep your eye on the prize. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ because, in the end, that big picture is there. It's already been written and it's as good as done. No matter what comes. spiritually speaking in your life or literally speaking in your life. If your arm's cut off, swing with the other one. If your right leg gets cut off, get you a crutch or an artificial leg, spiritually or literally. If you get knocked down, get back up. The Bible says the just man falleth seven times and riseth again. Keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. Through much tribulation, we must enter the kingdom of God. Keep your eyes on the prize. And the world and its system and Satan won't keep your eyes on everything around. And take your eyes off the prize. Back to John, brother. Okay. Verse 20, and there were certain Greeks among them that came to worship at the feast. Okay, these, here's these Greeks that probably, probably Danon or Ionian Greeks, okay? You know, if you remember in Acts chapter 2, it gives a list of all these people. There were some Greeks there as well. Okay, don't know for sure, probably, probably some of the dispersed, some of the people that got away from Egypt prior to the Exodus. There's history to back that up. Like the ones that left Greece to go found Rome. Okay? But they don't want you to think about that out in the church. No, no, no. They want you to think this is a bunch of greasers. It ain't. And I love what that what they say right here in verse 21. Read it again, brother. The same came therefore to Philip, which was a was of Bethesda of Galilee, <coughs> and desired him saying, "Sir, we would see Jesus." They came specifically to see the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew something. They knew something. I've got to step away. Excuse me, folks. I've got to step away for just a second. Brother David, read the next couple of verses. Certainly. Verse 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. 
And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Okay. <clears throat> He's just a few days away from the Passion. A few days away. A couple of programs ago, I told you it was, he was seven days away from the crucifixion. Verse 24, brother. Yeah, and remember at the end of John chapter 11, how Jesus turned away from the Jews and he left, the, he turned away to not minister to them. Anymore, and, that's what it says. Yes, mm-hmm. anymore. And then he left and he went out of uh, the land of Judea and he came to a town of Ephraim. And now we see the dispersed, the scattered Israelites. <laughs> Amen. That's, Amen. That's right, brother. That's, that's spot on. That's spot Coming on. to Jesus and Jesus says, ah, the hour has come. There you the go. The Son of Man should be glorified because he knew now that he was Judah. The tents of Judah would be saved first. Now the Holy Spirit will go to the scattered children of God. That's right. And before we get into verse 24, folks, Brother David bringing that up, it gives me uh, pause to take you back to Second Samuel chapter 7. Brother David, turn back there if you would while I'm talking. Okay. Um, and those of you that have been with me a long time probably know where I'm going. This is the verse that sealed the deal for me on the Anglo-Israel truth. And you can, and I have, I have got brothers and sisters out there in Christ that I have presented this to. They can't deal with it, okay? Let me set this verse up for you, all right? All the, and you downloaders that are still hanging on to, to the Jew-loving stuff, okay? David is sitting on the throne. Historically, David is sitting on the throne. All the allotted land that is to be given under the Abrahamic covenant is given out to all the 12 tribes. It's all done. There's peace in the land. Okay? In other words, everything that was supposed to be has been as far as the land grant business goes. David's sitting on the throne. All the tribes have their allotted land. And I want you to listen closely to what Nathan tells David this is what sealed the deal there's not it's not only mentioned here it's also mentioned again in first chronicles chapter 19 or second chronicles 19 I forget which one it is but it's also in chronicles but listen to what he says how anybody could deny deny the Anglo-Israel truth is absolutely beyond my imagination if they believe this for what it says in the historical context that this takes place. Go ahead and read it, brother. Second Samuel 7, verse 10. Okay, this is Nathan 10. speaking to David. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel. Stop. He says he's going to appoint. Well, I thought they had their place appointed. Everything prior tells you that all the covenant demands have been made. The land grants have have been taken care of. What's he talking about appointing a place for Israel? That's what he said. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. They've got their place. 
The, the, the land grant has been fulfilled. Continue on, brother. David? Yes. Continue on. I have on. walked. Okay. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people, Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. You got I that? They, he's going to plant them in a place of their own. Plant them. They're already planted. They're, he's in Jerusalem. What in the world is he talking about? See what I mean? Yeah, in verse 1 it says, And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. Absolutely, brother. I mean, I wasn't making that up. I'm telling you all the truth. I mean, I know it like the back of my hand. Every land grant has been absolutely fulfilled. Every bit of it. There's nowhere else to plant Israel. And he plants Israel. Okay? Now, and and I'm going to show you something that everybody else misses. Not only did the Lord... See, everybody thinks, oh, that homeland, Jewish home, Jewish homeland, Israelites, all that stuff. If you didn't know Romans chapter 4, you wouldn't realize that not only did he give Abraham and Abraham's descendants that place over there, he gave Abraham's descendants the world. You don't even find that out till you get to Romans chapter 4. And the Apostle Paul tells you. Continue read. Start the first and read the verse completely through, and I won't stop you, brother. Okay. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more. As before time. There you go. You couldn't put the modern day Jew in that verse to save your spiritual life. You can't do it. It won't fit. Period. And my brothers and sisters that I put that in front of, they can't, they won't deal with it. They won't deal with it. Anyway, I want to show you, and by the way, Find it yourself. I'm not going. It's in between verse 18 and 25 in Romans chapter 4, where it tells you that God gave Abraham the world, not just that place over in Palestine. Okay, brother, back to John. Yeah. <laughs> what time is it, brother Kevin? Because we're fixing to take a journey. If it's oh goodness, how long we've been on, brother Dave? Hi. We've been recording for an hour and 26 minutes. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Thank you, Brother. Okay. And um, You want to add something to what I said, Brother Dave? No, verse 21. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethesda of, of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Okay, real quick, turn to Romans 11 and go down to about verse 20, brother. And I'll okay. show you all about this Zion business, the future part, okay? 
This is fulfilled, the first fulfillment right here, coming in lowly, sitting on an ass. And the second part to the verse, Paul loosely quotes the same verse. Loosely quotes the same verse. Pulling half of it out, out so quote-unquote out of context and slaps it down here in Romans 11. Uh, verse 20. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, taking heed, lest he also spare not thee, behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God. You're going to have to go back up further, brother. It's where he, see, where he says, and all Israel shall be saved. And then he says, for the deliverer shall come out of Zion. Okay. It's right up above there. I'm not there. I, I, I tell you the number, brother. I forget what number it is. I can go find it right quick. Uh, 26. Okay. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. There you go. There you go. They pay a it in the future, coming out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall take away ungodliness from Jacob. That's the future. That's a future fulfillment. And he don't come back on no coat. He comes back on a white horse. Hallelujah. Amen. We're looking forward to that day. Amen. I tell you what, before we get, before we're not even going to go into verse 24, because if we do, there's about 17 verses that we're going to look at. So I'm going to go ahead and, and ask, see if there's any questions in the chat room. We'll stop for tonight, and we'll pick this up in verse 24, Friday okay. night, Lord willing, brother. Is there any questions in the chat room? I'll give you all time to write them down if you got any. Brother Dave, you want to add anything to that uh, verse we read back in Second Samuel? Uh, no, that's that was very good. Obviously, you know, uh, they had given their land grants. They had peace. God had conquered helped King David to conquer all his enemies. There he was, at rest, at peace. God sends the prophet to him, tell him tells him he's going to build him a house, and also tells him he's going to give him a new land. Absolutely. Yeah, that was, you know, that is obvious that there's something going on there, that where did they go? <laughs> amen, brother. There, a, amen. And like I said, that sealed the deal for me. That sealed the deal for me. The one that really got my attention was when Paul was preaching and he said, All of our fathers went through the watch through the sea and all ate of the manna and what? Is he yeah, he's talking, talking to the Corinthians. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Turn to Romans chapter four, brother, and read yeah. verse thirteen. And I'm probably nobody turned to look, but it's verse thirteen, folks, Romans four thirteen. They gave Abraham the world, Romans not just 4, Palestine. 
Yes, for, verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. There you go. There you go. So all those worried about that place over there, you don't you don't even know you, the word of God. I remember when uh, Doc was he got to that verse. He was he he was one of those Judeo Christians. All I talk about the Jew all the time, but when he got to that verse, he went hmm and just went on. <laughs> it just kept on going. And that and anyway, anyway, I have a question about that verse, and that would be that at, at the end of the verse it says, "And the." They will not be afflicted anymore. Yep. As a time. Yeah. Okay. As a time. That's right. Okay. But they could be afflicted. Oh, absolutely. But not in the same intensity as they were in the And past. not the same way. Correct. Yeah. They constantly had wars in their own land. That's right. Absolutely. Any Where questions? now we have conflict, but we haven't had war in our own land in a long, long time. Not from them. Yes. Not as the enemy, not our original enemies as before time. <laughs> the Lord says that we would have war against Amalek. You know, folks know who Amalek was. He was a uh, he was a descendant of who, brother Dave? Do you know? Amalek. Uh, mm, uh, he was the father. He was of a great great grandson of Esau. Ah, uh, yes, right. The right. Lord says <laughs> we would have trouble with Amalek forever. Wow. <laughs> yeah. From generation to generation. Well, we can see those Canaanites coming. There you go. And, and then he they, tells they, you, in Ze- he tells you in Zechariah that at the very end there'll be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. Uh, uh, we read it not too long ago. Remember? Yes. And in London they have one as their mayor now. Yep. It's it's just something else, brother. Something else. Anybody have a yeah? Matthew asks, if the spirit after life is flesh and bone, should people be cremated or it doesn't matter? Brother, that's a good question. And I've thought about that many, many times. The biblical precedent is buried in a grave, okay? And um, I'm not too much on the cremation part myself, personally. Uh, since there's going to be a DNA rewrite, and it tells you in the book of Revelations that the dead that come up out of the sea everywhere they're at, I, they're not in their form. There, so I don't, I don't think it matters necessarily. But I have the the Bible doesn't say anything about cremation that I've ever seen. All the times I've been through it, I've never seen any reference to cremation specifically, specifically. Yeah, there's obviously lots of people whose bodies have been totally disintegrated by oh, fires sure, sure. or something and, you know, volcanoes or whatever. But, you know, as a Christian, just as an act of faith and belief in the Word of God that the Lord's going to resurrect your body, mm-hmm. it's a, an act of respect and of God's word and a faith in His word that That's you would respect. That's absolutely the way I look at it, brother. Yeah, That's the body it. He gave you, you know. Exactly the way I look at it, one hundred percent. I had a discussion with somebody on the telephone. They asked the same question, brother Matthew. It's been a few months ago, and uh, good question, good question. Yeah, but good I, one. But what brother David says exactly the way I believe about it as well. 
I'm not going to strain into that. Like Brother David said, there's people, but um, good Christian brethren that gets burned up all the time. Okay, oh, in yeah. fires. Mm-hmm. But by think choice, of a, uh, but by choice uh, is a different thing. See, in yeah, my mind. Think, think of the ones that were martyred and that's burned. right, burned at the stake. Over thirty yeah. million. Mm-hmm. Over thirty million burned at the stake. I guess their prosperity gospel didn't work too well, did it, Brother Dave? <laughs> no, not that day, but you sure got a uh, prosperity now. I'll go ahead and tell y'all what we're going to get into Friday night since there's no more questions in the chat room. We're going to go through the most hated, the most untaught, the most neglected doctrine in the New Testament. Okay, And like I previously said earlier, there's as many verses to back up this doctrine, as a matter of fact, more than the second coming of Jesus in the New Testament, okay? If you went through the whole Word of God, it, that, it, that, that's not true. But in the New Testament, there's more verses to back up this doctrine that we're going to go off on, and I'll take you through the Scriptures and show you. So bring you a pencil and paper. You can write them down and study them yourself, and you'll understand what I'm telling you. You can't miss it with a missing machine, okay? Unless you just are spiritually blind to it, all right? Once you're shown, you'll understand. And we don't like, hey, the flesh don't like it. But this is what the Lord said. We're supposed to pay attention to his words. All you gospel freaks out there and the downloaders that holler about the gospels all the time. Well, this is out of the Lord's mouth. They don't just mention it one time. It's in all the gospels. So we're going to deal with that. We're going to see how the Apostle Paul took the revelation and how he applied what the Lord said in verse 24, and we're going to take the, when the Lord talks about dying in him, we're going to take that and I'll bring up and show you the verses on the doctrine of Christian suffering. I'll do that to you new folks that's with me now. I've been through it, time programs gone by, and I'm always hitting on because it's neglected, and because the world is totally, when I say the world, I'm not talking about Hollywood, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about our people are not being taught this truth. It's not only proved out in history, it's proved out in the Word of God, it's proved out over and over and over again. And no matter how much I don't like it, or you don't like it, it's what the book says. Okay? You can't allegorize it away. Oh, you can. You can make it, and when you allegorize, you can make it say anything you want to. We're going to go through it Friday night. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we've had to spend together tonight. Father, I thank you for each and every one in the chat room. Father, they're a blessing to me, and I thank you so much for them, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd be with every step they take this coming week. We know that your book says that the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. Father, I pray that you'd be a blessing in ways unimaginable to them, Father. Bless them for their faithfulness, Lord. Bless them for their faithfulness and their desire to want to know what your book says. Not what it's supposed to teach, but what your book says, Father. That's what's important. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings that we have. Still, we complain and we gripe and we moan and groan about this, that, and the other, Father, but we've not even touched We haven't even got to the place yet that we're really 
going to be put to the test in the flesh. And it's coming. Your book says it's coming over and over and over again. And Father, I pray that you'd prepare our spiritual man. Yes. Prepare our minds for what's coming in the future if we have to go through what's coming. Lord, we love you and we fall short so much. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. The only righteousness we can claim is the righteousness of our Lord and Savior. Yes, indeed. We thank you so much, Father, for what you've done for us in our life. Every nip and cranny that we've traveled so far has been for a reason and some purpose that you have. And, Father, I pray that you'd help us understand that and rejoice in everything that's in our life, no matter how many tears, no matter how many afflictions, and no matter what the trouble, understanding that nothing can happen to us unless you let it happen. And therefore, let us take everything in our life to glorify your Son, for it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. <clears throat> Contact information for Don Spears Ministry. <clears throat> Telephone number 334-397-2333. The email address is joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Mailing address 315 315- Five Louisville Street, Apartment D, one, Clio, Alabama, three six zero one seven, three six zero one seven. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good job, brother David. Thank you very much. Good job, Kevin. I'm glad you got back on the phone, brother. Love you guys in the chat room. Keep me in your prayers. And by the way, I'd appreciate if you'd pray for my daughter. She is overseas in Kuwait, and she'll be there for a week. And I pray. I ask you to pray for traveling mercies for her and the Lord would keep her safe. God bless each and every one of you, and Lord willing and health permit, and we'll see you guys Friday night. Good night. God bless. Good night, all.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.